Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. Okay, let's do this, people. All right, I'm not going to do the whole extended momentum thing. I will uh, say welcome to the show. This is WTF. My name is Mark Marin. Obviously, many of you know me. Today's guest is uh, Samantha B., which we taped uh, before the tragic passing of my, uh, my girlfriend, Lynn Shelton. And it's been a difficult week. I don't know about this grieving thing. I don't know how one does it. I mean, thank God my brother's here. Y- you know, my brother, family... I, I don't know, you, you know, the, the day after Lynn passed, you know, my brother flew out. He, you know, he happened to be in Denver and he he flew out and he's been here all week kind of moving through this process with me. And as as some of you know, as I told you before, uh, you know, I didn't know Lynn's family that well, but I've gotten to know many of them. And just as I said on Thursday, the amazing support from all the people in my community, like all of them. The comics, unbelievable. And and you people who listen to this show, thousands and thousands of emails. It really helps because I'm not great at staying in a feeling or accessing. You know, I, I think if I was left alone, I would just bury it all and, and, and stuff it deep inside me and cry at inappropriate things as opposed to what I should be grieving about, which is a horrendous loss. Yeah, everybody, there's so much so much food is coming in. I, I swear, man, we got me and my brother are the only ones here, and the other day we got like a the full uh Shiva situation. We got the full Shiva package. I mean, somebody sent us, you know, bagels, lox, cream cheese, and smoked fish tr- a platter with I mean, for, with with a with hot coffee for like twenty people. And, you know, b- both Craig and I have a slight compulsive eating situation so we felt that part of us felt like we you know we really gotta we gotta you know just strap in and do this but that's just an example a lot of stuff is just coming and i and i didn't realize how paralyzed i would be and unable to cook or anything else so the food has been great even the even the food that's bad for me i ate four cookies before i came in here i spent the week going through lynn shelton's stuff at my house her clothing, her vitamins, her lady stuff, jewelry, everything, papers. I was, I could not, it was like, it was, I, I couldn't, I didn't even know how much stuff was here. 
and I could only do it in sort of, you know, fits and starts, waves, when I kind of emotionally was capable. I would just get in there and throw away stuff that was just clearly garbage and then process things that, you know, meant something to me and then kind of move stuff that I think is going to be for her family and friends. So that took a few days to do that, to kind of decide the one or two items that I would keep to remember her by. And there were just moments where I'm like, what, what am I going to do now? I mean, what happens now? But I don't think I'm going to get bitter and angry. I might yell at, at the sky a bit. But I'm hoping in honor of Lynn and, and what she did for me that I can somehow you know, work on keeping my heart open. It was not working this last week because so much grief was coming up. People would call me and I couldn't get through a five-minute conversation without crying, which was fine. It's good to cry. But I feel like I needed a really big cry. Like the other day, I thought I actually was getting the virus because my chest was so tight. And then I cried a little bit and it was like, oh, okay, that's what needs to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen a bit at a time or like eventually I'll just be able to unload it. There's only a few people I can do that with. But maybe it'll happen. I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to sit with the feelings. The amazing thing that we did, that Michaela Watkins did, was set up a, a sort of Zoom shiva, a Zoom morning group. Uh, she just put out out feelers and and uh, you know got people to pull in people that knew Lynn that worked with Lynn. So every night for seven days, I think we did it. Six or seven, maybe six, six nights. At six thirty, whoever wanted to be there was there. So anywhere from you know thirty five to sixty people who love Lynn, who knew Lynn, family, friends. Co-workers, actors, musicians, everybody who knew her and just to hang out, filmmakers, to hang out and talk about Lynn. And I think it really worked in a way to get us through that shock, to get us through that initial period of complete horror and shock and to celebrate her a bit and to share stories and to cry with each other. It helped. It helped me, even though I started to feel like, what was she doing with me? All these people that have known her forever, this is the sweetest, most charismatic person in the world that was full of joy and happiness and was excited and driven and had vision and was you know amazingly talented and brought people together and everybody loved her and so many people met, met their people through her just like this a beautiful collaborative mess of talent and love and i'm just like how do i fit in i'm like i come from the the world of rogues borderline criminals the comics the comics she saw something in me and that made me see it so i love her love her for that but i did really start to feel insecure and feel like i don't all these people have known her for so long. I've known her like five years, not even. But what we had was not, you know, what we had was <laughs> was what we had. And it was all in, all good, beautiful stuff. Unique to us. 
I didn't want to tell stories. I was too, how many stories do I have? I got a lot of love stories. And I can't, I don't want to share those. Those are mine. Those are mine. And really, after last week, I want, I want to again thank my listeners and, and for, for really, I'm trying to look at the emails. All of them help. It all helps. It helps me. And this is, I guess, the nature of what I do. When I'm in relation to someone else, connected, then I, I can feel myself be present and feel my feelings. Now I have to learn how to do it alone. But thank you guys for really stepping up and sending me all those emails and all that love. I appreciate it. So Samantha B is um, a funny, sharp woman. Full Frontal with Samantha B airs Wednesday nights at 10.30, 9.30 Central on TBS. And I talked to her remotely before uh, my life got turned upside down. So this is me talking to Samantha B. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. So... Hi, Samantha. Hi. Nice to, nice to meet you. It's really nice to meet you. It's Finally. really nice to meet you. Finally. I loved your special. Is it okay for me to compliment you? I loved it. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. All right. Especially these days. Yeah, I, I enjoy compliments. Yeah. I loved I like loved it. I watched it as soon as it came out. I watched it right away. And then... I, like right when we were forced indoors. Right when we were... For, it was one of the first things that I watched. Well, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I... Okay. Uh, it's hard. It's so weird, like day to day. I don't know. How are you with compliments? Terrible. Oh, I can't take them at all. They're so horrible. <laughs> I can't. I hate them. <laughs> I become like my body physically shrinks. Like I start to. Do... Uh, what is that? I don't know. I mean, I. I don't know. How are you with uh, with horrible things with criticism? Uh also horrible. But I don't expose myself to it too much. Like I don't. I don't really actually really really disciplined about not reading stuff about myself. I just don't. So like you you don't immerse yourself in the uh, comment sections of anything. No Twitter. Never. No. no. I turned off all of those notifications on Twitter a long time ago. At what point? I, what, what what happened? Uh, the election. <laughs> what, what? The election happened actually, and like that night. I started to, because I used to, I was like pretty disciplined about like, I don't Google myself or any of that right. shit. No, like, I, mean, and, yeah, I never yeah. did that for years, but I would read stuff on Twitter and then right. election night, it was so dark. Like the whole, everything was just like crushing as yeah, the night yeah. progressed. And then 
my Twitter mentions started to go berserk. Like it was so, it was like homicidal. People were so intense. I felt like a darkness. I felt like like the Death Star, kind of like the shadow of the right, Death Star right, over my right. Twitter mentions. And so um, it took me a couple of days. It took me to a dark yeah. place. And then some, my assistant at the time actually took away my phone and she changed my <laughs> she changed my passwords. And she was like, this will be temporary. Just like, you can't. And I just really liked the way that I was living. You, without it. Without it. I didn't yeah. need it or want it anymore. And so I just don't. Oh, that's great. But, you, but you, you're on it though. I'm on Twitter. it. I'm reading it. But like, you I'm just definitely shut really that reading down. it. Right. But I shut that part down. So I don't take negativity well, but I yeah. just avoid it really strenuously. It's weird because it's a visceral feeling. And for mm-hmm. me, like, I guess I'm, maybe I'm oversensitive. I don't know. But like, it just takes one of those things to fuck my day up. Fuck the whole day up. And like, you could get <laughs> like, you could get 1,000 glowing compliments. Yeah, and it's just that one, of those one person who's like, you're ugly. And you're like, why? I can't, (laughs) I can't do this. And it just erases everything else. It just erases. Like like the good ones, you're like, yeah, yeah, oh, thanks, okay. And then the one that's sort of like, you're kind of, like the ones that really like are specific and hit a button (laughs) that you're insecure about, then you're like, oh my God. Oh, How the fuck they know that? And it just ruins (laughs) all. Yes. And then I talk to people that like are like, well, you got to get a callus to it. And I'm like, do you? Do Is you? that a healthy thing to do? Yeah. I mean, I know these are nameless monsters that are trying to get my goat on purpose. But yeah. even when I, I choose not to engage, which yeah. I do, I still have to choose it. Like, I'll read it and I'll be like, I'm going to. No, I'm not going to. Is that yeah. really a good muscle to have? No, I don't it's know. Not. I don't think it's. I don't. I don't think it's helpful. I bu- OK, I don't have like art in my house to speak of like i'm just not yeah i'm just not built for it but i did buy this one picture recently it's like one of the only ones i ever bought and it just mean said you're not built for art i don't know i don't know anything about okay. it i'm just like mm, right. everything is so you, just you I could know, just yeah. like paint something red and put it on the wall and i'm like yeah. oh so you're so you're intimidated in terms of like yes. you, you don't trust what you like because somebody will come over and go oh my god what Ooh. are you what is that what is yeah, did you right, okay. paint that <laughs> Um, <laughs> but I did buy one thing recently and it is just this, it's, it, it's really, really pretty. And all it says is it did not ruin her. And I think that it means a lot to me because I'm like, yes, like you don't want to build that. You don't want to have that much of a callus that it actually right. changes the core of who you are, I think. Right. So right. that's like, I don't, I don't think that's a great healthy muscle i don't either you know and it's very hard for me to compartmentalize this shit you know like i think Mm. detaching with a certain amount of empathy is fine like hey i'm not going to engage with that person they're angry and it's probably not anything to do with me or Mm -hmm. they're just a monster that likes you know making people upset yeah okay and walk away from it but just that sort of like no i'm not i I, you know i can take anything i'm i am so ready to quit aren't you (laughs) I'm always ready to quit. <laughs> of course. I've been ready to quit since I started. <laughs> is that what is that, man? Like I don't know what you're doing, but I mean you've got like kids, right? You've got a lot yeah, of kids. I do. But like for me, I'm like, this is what I work towards, not mm-hmm. doing anything. And 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 then there's the added bonus of knowing no one else is. So no one's competing for anything. <laughs> <Right>. And we're just, <laughs> What are we doing? Po- 
Yeah. Look at, let's just stop all of it. There's so many good hobbies out there. Or oh, just there nothing. are kind of. Or just yeah, maybe or nothing. You could learn. Yeah, or nothing. Nothing's fine. But you find mm-hmm. I'm. I just find what, that once you adjust to you know the the time that's given, mm-hmm. like my I adjust to it. I'm not like right. oh, I'm fucking bored. What am I gonna do with this hour? Right, it's like no. oh my god, my days are full. Mm-hmm. These are things just spread out. Yeah, I'm so good at like we're doing. You know, we're doing the show, so I'm busy from that. But when I'm, I know I see you I'm, outside doing things. Outside doing things, but like when I'm, we're going, we're coming into a break soon. We have like a a nice break, like three weeks. I am yeah. so I'm so good at puttering. I can yeah. just like just putter around, like repot little plants. That takes yeah. hours. I'm oh, perfectly yeah. happy, perfectly happy. <laughs> just like <laughs> putting fingers in soil. Going to the yeah. you're going to make something in the kitchen. I don't know. No, I know. Me too. Yeah, like you know, like uh, like I'm going to cut up a squash. Yeah, and then I'm going to going to go obsess about the uh, the plant bed out front where nothing, I can't seem to grow anything. Oh, um, yeah. well, we've recently discovered um, it's like a whole new world since mm. the self isolating began. We've just we're like very into composting. We became. Oh yeah. We weren't like I was like. When I grew up, my mom was a big composter, and I was just like, "This is awful." I don't. I don't think I you don't, have to say that with I any don't shame. Do this. And now, <laughs> yeah, no, and it's good. But we're very like we could spend. What I'm saying is, we could take that whole three week period and just be composting, like just be like chopping up banana peels into small pieces yeah. <laughs> to put them in the composter. That's like so, a full activity. <laughs> That's a so lifestyle. how many bins do you have? We have two bins. We have they're large. The big ones, yeah. The big ones, like the big, it's like a big tumbler that yeah. just like oh, yeah. all year round, like it insulates the compost and it just breaks yeah. it down really quickly. So we're very, yeah. it's like our new child. <laughs> we have a new new child. All right, so it's a walk me through it. So, you know, like you have to the, you have to rotate the bins, like one is not as, as ripe as the other one. So you have one that's sort of usable and then I'm one that's still sort of rotting. I have so much compassion for your audience right now because they don't want to hear about this at all. But I'm still I'm telling you, still going to tell you. So yes, it's like a big, wide, it's a double bin. So while one bin is... One bin stays kind of empty and you fill the other one and then you tumble it and then you fill the other one up. And while you're filling the second one up, the first one has turned to compost is the hope. So that's ready. By the time the other one is full, the other side is is ready to go in your garden and do its magic. Because I feel guilty that I don't compost. Like I'm, it's not, it's not even a, like a, an environmental thing. It's just like, I know that it sounds fun and it's like nice to use everything. Sure. And nice. you know, I, yeah. And, uh, but so what does it do for, the, so it turns into, it looks like soil, right? Just like yeah. really rich soil. Just really rich soil. Really rich soil. And, and, it, and, it, and it does work magic on the garden? Supp- well, we'll find out. Oh, I, you don't, I have oh, no, so, I mean, supposedly, but like when I, oh, it's I think a new thing. when I was like growing up in the seventies, it just wasn't as, it was not cool at all to do that. And it was just like a disgusting thing that I had to like be, I'm putting coffee grounds in a bin. You but, know yeah, I mean? but they didn't have, they didn't have the fancy bins no. and they, there was no fashion around it. It was usually no. something someone made, right? A wooden kind yeah. of box thing. It just made your kitchen smell sour. And it just, it was just like a horrible sour smell that followed you everywhere and plagued your what, life. And you had, what did you have? Like hippie parents? 
yes, my mom is very into all that stuff. Yeah, she's into all that stuff. Like she... Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Toronto. Right in the city? Yep, right in the city. Mm-hmm. And your mom was a hippie and your dad yeah, was not? Of. How did it work? They were divorced. They got divorced really early when I was a baby. So it was really me. Really? Kind of... <laughs> Partially raised by my grandmother, but also my mom, who was a single mom, and my dad was remarried. You, so I was like always going around to different everybody's. Do you have houses. siblings? No, I'm an only child. So only they child. had the one kid, and before you were conscious, they were um, pretty split much. Up? They were in high school. They were in oh high. I'm like a high. I'm a high school pregnancy, like last so final, you and final your, year of high school, but like teen pregnancy right. for sure. So yes. you and your mom are like the same age now. Roughly, she's only eighteen. She's only she's only nineteen years older than me. She yeah, isn't that, I, she just isn't, turned nineteen, and I was born. Isn't it weird when you hit this age when you realize like you know when you're a kid, your parents are always so much older, right. and then like you cross a certain line, totally. and you're like, we're both on, <laughs> wait, the, wait on the same side of this. We both have we both have gray hair. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah. fucking yeah. happening? Yeah, yes. second half, man. Totally. <laughs> so you spent a lot of time going from house to house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To your grandma's? Yep. Was the grandma house a stable? Very stable. Yeah, super, very stable. But she was like a single, she was like a single grandma. Oh, really? She had split apart from my grandfather, which is, it was just like single people all in my life. Like my single and Your grandpa grandma. was in your life too? He left my life because he took off with his secretary <laughs> but then he came back to my life later in life as an adult uh, so he was gone for a long time but as an adult oh okay he was back later they kind of got back together again so you're just going from house to house it's kind of ping pinging around yeah is yeah. that good was it a good thing or did you feel unstable <sighs> do you feel like it was nicer that way well i don't know it was the only thing that i knew Right. And uh, I think it was like kind of cumulatively healthy because everyone, right. <laughs> like everyone loved me. So it wasn't like. Yeah. And everyone was doing what they wanted to do as everyone, opposed to staying yeah. in. Everyone was doing what they could. Everyone was doing it with love. So I, I don't think right. it was like, it wasn't like our family is now, but it was still right. fine. Like I, I felt stable and cared for. I was cared for, for sure. And also, like, a lot of different environments, which yeah. is nice. You mm -hmm. can go to one house and have favorites, which house you like better, which bed totally. is better. I definitely you know, loved, I definitely lived the most in the earliest years with my grandmother. And she just, yeah. we just, like, shared a bedroom. It was really small. We lived in a small apartment. But it was, we were very tight. We had, like, little yeah. twin beds. Just me and my grandma. Oh. It was really cute. <laughs> <laughs> and is she still around? No. No, she died yeah. in 1997. So what did your mom do, the hippie mom? She worked for the government for uh, for most of her career. She worked oh, for really? like a, well, she worked a, she had various jobs and she worked for um, like a different kind of like alternative weekly magazine for a while. She kind of pinged around a little bit and she ended up working for the government. My dad was, did computer stuff for oh, yeah? colleges stuff like that huh yeah. alternative weekly so she was yeah. really kind of living uh, she was on the edge of it she was not a radical yes yes <laughs> we were like boycotting things way before it was cool <laughs> right, really like yeah. wait so this is like the 70s probably? yeah 70s yeah yeah uh, i mean well, i feel that's... like everybody was like boycotting grapes and yeah apples. grapes were bad grapes were sure bad. i don't remember that 
I don't remember the apple one, but I remember the grapes were bad because were of bad. Uh, the slave labor, the yeah, that's Mexican right. labor. That's right. Yeah. And all I ever wanted was grapes. I was just like, can we just have of course. grapes? Yeah. And, which would launch grapes. a whole other conversation about. Do you remember the apple problem? I don't remember the apple problem. I only remember it vaguely, but it was definitely. Maybe that was, was a Canadian problem. It was a pesticide problem. I feel like it was, oh, uh, yeah, it was like a pesticide right. issue and it was poisoning yes. the workers and also people right. who were eating the apples. It was a certain type of pesticide. Yes. I can't remember And that what it was started called. the whole scrub your vegetables hard uh, trend. Oh, yeah. We would scrub them. We were, which is like with soap. Just like every piece of <laughs> like, fruit tasted like dish soap. Like, for oh, sure. really? You didn't even use uh, the hippie soap, Dr. Bronner's, all in one, one oh. for all soap? Yeah, no, that I came to as an adult. I don't think we had that in Canada. But now I'm Really? Like, no Bronner's? No Dr. Bronner's. We had our own <laughs> weird brands. You, oh, see, but you came to Bronner's later in life. I did. Sure. Well, you got to love that label. I met a, I think I met a boy who used Dr. No, it what. When I was in college, maybe I started using it, and I was like, what the hell is this? And he was like, yeah. it's incredible. You use it on your whole body, and you shampoo your hair with it. And I was like, I'll try that. And it just turned my hair into, like, yeah. Crusty the Clown, like, nightmare. Yeah, too Should harsh not. for hair. Horrible. No. No. No, terrible. but you can, yeah. You can't, yeah, something you can wash floors and your hair with is <laughs> That's, no yeah. one product should do everything. But that label, man, you can just say, I actually interviewed the one the the guy who runs Bronner's. You did? The grandson. Yeah. Okay. David Bronner. I wow. interviewed him years ago because I was fascinated with his his grandfather and uh -huh. with, you know, there was a documentary about the about one there's one Bronner oh. that's a little out of his mind. Okay. And he wrote a do, he made a documentary about the rest of the Bronners, but uh -huh. it was like like the old man, the original Dr. Bronner was a complete lunatic. Oh, and what, who writes the stuff on the side of the bottle? I don't know anything about. The he did. He wrote it all. The he was like a yeah. He was like a Holocaust survivor type of guy, okay. or a guy that got out under the wire. Came from a, a, a family of soap makers, set up shop, and was okay. part. You know, he kind of got because of the label and the nature of the soap. He kind of got lumped into that whole you know seventies, late sixties, seventies enlightenment thing. Like okay. you know, with all those people who were gurus and practitioners of self help. You know, he was you know he was part of that. Okay. Bronner oh, was. Okay. Okay. I like the boyfriend though, like because I, you know, I, I wore patchouli because of a girl, oh. and I've worn it for thirty years. Wow. Well, it was right yeah. for you. It was your destiny to find patchouli. Yeah. Don't I don't know. That. And it's like, it's like it's a hippie thing, but I just wear it just because. It you know, she great. was kind of a a witch at the time, and I mm -hmm. was fascinated with the smell of it. And that's okay. What I, that's great. That's what I got. That's so great. where? So did you get? Do you think you got your political? mindset from your mother i do actually i do i have to give her credit for that because it was she was just was always a political person and um she it was had important her own, it was important to her to take a position yeah. to take a side right. on things and it was um she just talked about it a lot and thought about it a lot and my grandmother was much more conservative and that was there was a, a real clash between them the you know, they loved each other, but they fought a lot. And politically they fought because my grandmother worshipped Nancy Reagan. <laughs> that was just like so toxic but, to my mom. But what about that? But what about what you're Canadians, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But she it's fine. That stuff is seeps over the border. It's like 
the air we breathe. I know, but like, why would you have like? Is there a relevant discussion to have about Nancy Reagan as a as a Canadian? We always followed American politics for sure, for sure. And it's I interesting definitely... that like it, you guys really do. I mean, because I see yeah. a lot of people that are, seem to be more informed and more kind of agitated mm-hmm. with Canadian uh, addresses than 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 some Americans. Like there's there seems to be an attention to nuance. Like I know these people in Vancouver, yeah, that are like you, you would think that they were living here with the degree of of uh, anger. There's an immense. I mean, the connective tissue is strong, right. and we take you know we intake so many American cultural products growing up in Canada. Like you just end up watching the news from Buffalo, and it just sort of it just is a very there's a very very easy flow. A lot of the most of the television shows you watch are just American. Really, They're you on. guys, uh, you don't have enough Canadian television shows that are engaging. To how dare you? How dare you say that? <laughs> how dare you, <laughs> sir? So you growing up uh, an only child with several sets of caretakers? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? You know what are your interests? When do you start knowing your interests? What, was it initially? to be a journalist or something or what? I don't know. I didn't know what I was going to do. I really was. Yeah. I really floated around. I had some troubling years in high school. And like but how, I, what, I how was, did that manifest itself? I met a boy. All, oh, all my did. stories are boy related today. That's Dr. Okay. Bronner's. And now Dr. this is the bad one. This is the, I met a bad boy <laughs> in early yeah. in high school. Like I was 15 yeah. and we dated uh-huh. for a year or two and he was a very bad boy. And so I, for a while, thought that my destiny was to be like a, a, a grifter. I was like, this is, my life will be a life of crime. Yeah. Normally, I, like I went to Catholic school and I was always a really good student and I really cared about that. And I continued to care about that even through my phase of being a very difficult person. Okay. A grifter? A grifter on the beaches of <laughs> Miami was my goal. What? For a while. Did you get... You I made it like, down to Miami, or no? <laughs> no that was just I, was like, a... I was like, "Here's our plan." Like when I, when I, once I kind of got into his badness, and I was like fully yeah. in. I was like, "Here's the deal: we're gonna get on a flight, we're gonna go to the airport, we're gonna pay for yeah. two tickets to Miami in cash, and we're gonna work the beach." And he was like, "Great." <laughs> And then when we were supposed to leave to go to the airport, he was like, "I don't want to go," and I was like, "You're a oh. pussy. Oh, I'm ready God. to go." <laughs> anyway, I worked it out of my system. And that was early. the end of it? No, we, you know, I eventually broke what? up with them because I was like, I don't, hey, I was like, I kind of, I honestly really woke up one day. My whole family was just collapsing under the weight of me being just a, a shitty person. And I kind of woke up one day and I was like, hey, wait a minute. I don't have any friends. My family hates me. I'm actually an asshole. I'm 16 years old. No one wants to spend five minutes with me because I've become this like monster of a person. I'm (laughs) still doing well in school, but I'm an awful human being. I should just stop doing all of this stuff and start being nice again. And I flipped the switch on myself and was like, all done. And that and guy, I, you got rid of the guy? I caught him loose that day. I was like, I'm out. I don't, this is too much trouble. I can't live this. 
I can't live this thank way. God, thank God he didn't follow through with the Miami plan. Yeah, no, I he was really mad for a long time. But I was like, oh, sorry. Once I've, I just like, oh, I just cleaned you out of my consciousness. It's weird when it turns off like that. I mean, you, like I, I can, I've done that. No, I couldn't do it in high school, but uh-huh. in adult life, I have had to do that. Right. Like it's, when it goes away, it goes away. When it goes away, it's just gone. And yeah. uh, and then I it wasn't kind of, meant to be though. It, no, it was not. Thank God. What was the what What was the big grift? What was the plan? How were you going to work the beaches? Pickpockets? Were you? What were you? Ah, uh, like a, just like jacking cars and doing stuff like oh. that. It was like yeah. very bad. I'm not really. I'm not proud of that phase of my life, but I do like to talk about it because I do like to just be honest with the. I do like to, I like the journey of it. I'm like. Okay. I like I like that I came clean after and I'm very honest with my kids about it. I'm like, here's what I did. Don't don't do this. It was so useless. What a fucking Well you waste never got busted, right? No. No. Yeah. He did, I didn't, which was great. Okay. Um and So then, okay, so you get out of that, you so change, you get like, rid of that guy. Yeah, I was very studious and I thought, Oh, I guess I'll just I guess I'll go to law school or Law school. Well, no one in my family had really gone to college. Right. Really, almost, I think maybe no one in my family ever had <laughs> gone to college. So I knew Your that- Your mom didn't? No. I knew no. that uh, I knew that, that was what I wanted to do. And uh, you can go in Canada, right? You can go. I mean- Yeah, you can go. Yeah. My right. first year of college, I went to McGill, and uh, it was $800. For the year, for the for the semester, so it was semester sixteen hundred dollars for a oh whole year. Oh my god! Not including your living expenses and stuff like that, but the right, tuition right. is very low. It's very reasonable comparatively. It's like you just can't compare. Um, so I knew I wanted to go to school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I thought, okay, well, I'll take a general degree and then I'll apply to law school or something, so I can be a, a professional. Degree. I just need a job. Yeah. I got to get a job. Yeah. I would like to be professional. Right. I'd like to. I would like to have a house one day. I would like to have goals. So and unclear as to the passion or the, no, uh, yeah, the talent. No, nothing in particular. Sort of no performance keep being, vibes. Keep being studious. And keep being studious. Get, right. like, like absolutely like reaching for a gold ring. Just not right. super clear what that was. Right. So in college, I took a theater class. Like I was older you know i was like in my 20s i took a theater class i was like this will this is stupid but i'll get a good grade in it and it'll help me in my yeah. pursuit of the law which i also <laughs> just don't give a shit about at all and would be terrible yeah. at like very bad would not be good at that job um and the law yeah and then i started performing and i really liked it I really liked it. It was almost... What was it like? What was the theater? Uh, you just started doing monologues and scenes and whatnot? No, I took... You had to audition for something or you had to participate. Like one of the requirements of this class I took was you had to participate in some meaningful way to a production that they were doing at the school. And I thought, well, okay, I'll audition for a part. And I got a part and I had to sing on stage a solo song and it was like a, a Brecht play and I... I really liked my part. I thought it was really fun to do. And then, like, I didn't even know that you were supposed to read the whole play. I only read my yeah. own part. I was like, <laughs> completely. And there was one point where we were doing, they were doing, like, a full dress rehearsal of the play. 
and everyone was like, okay, now we go backstage and they do the dress rehearsal and then you come out when it's your part. I was like, no, but I, I was like, I want to see how it ends. <laughs> I want to know how, how does it go for this guy? <laughs> I'm so curious. Never That's had so no funny. clue. But the moment that I started, the moment that I stepped onto the stage, it was actually very, I was not fearful, like nervous in a normal way, but not fearful. I really enjoyed it. And I thought, yeah. oh, well, yeah, I, it's so funny, though. I got to tell you that there's still many people that don't read the whole play. Really? Uh, that, oh. I've talked to a couple of actors who do movies oh. and, and some of them, some of them like uh, have, you know, read the whole thing over and over and over again. Uh-huh. But some of them are sort of like, you know, where, where do I stand? Especially oh. if it's a scene or it's just two okay. scenes. Well, that makes sense. Um, but I, I mean, I think it does happen. Maybe, maybe I've even done that on Glow before. Okay. Uh, maybe I... I have a hard time reading scripts. I can read them, but I, sure. I, I don't always understand what's happening in them because right. I can't picture it. Okay. So a lot of times, even though I've read the whole script, I'm like, oh, they drive over to that place? You know, like, so I don't, I, for some reason. <laughs> You're like, well, it doesn't like, matter. It. it doesn't matter what yeah. happens because it's not happening to my character. So like, Well, even if it's my life. character, I'm like, oh, this is in the car. Like, there's some things I just miss. Right. Like, you know, I know the lines. I know who I'm talking to and I know the story. But, oh, we're not in. Oh, I thought we were at the other. Po- oh, OK. All right. I, I didn't read the. I missed the uh, stage direction and okay. set, you know, the detail. OK. I so that. that's okay. so that's what got you going is a Brecht play in yep. a theater class. Yeah. And then and then yep. how does it go from there? Then how do you then now all of a sudden you've got your passion. Got my what passion. are you going to do with it? Going to be a really serious theater actor. actor. Oh, serious. That's what, that was right. Gonna play Lady Macbeth one day. All that. Yeah. Gonna live that was going to be it. Going to live in the theater. Going to do that. Did you, but what, what year of college were you? Did you switch your major? Did you? I study did. I switched my major. The... Yeah, I, stu- I switched my major, and that was fun. The I loved it. I I loved it. Um. So I was going to do that really seriously, and then. There was some, there was like a point where I was just in theater school for too long. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was just. Well, how, how old were you? How come you were so uh, old, it seems? Because I switched my major halfway through. I switched to something else. And then I was, and then I moved into, I, I finished college and I was like, I'm going to go now to a more conservatory style acting program. Because, oh. you know, I need to know more. I need to know more of the people. I didn't. Serious. I had yeah. been. I needed to move to, I felt I needed to move back to Toronto. I had moved away for college and I moved back to Toronto and I was like, I gotta, I don't know any of the people here. I don't know any of the casting people. I don't really know the theaters. I've been gone for so long. So yeah. to kind of get back into that or to understand the industry, I thought, well, I'll go to like a conservatory style acting program and I'll get to know all this stuff. And yeah. then it was, then I was just like 25 or 26 and I was like, if I am going to try to do this, I should quit theater school. <laughs> I should stop going to school and I should actually try to do this job yeah, as opposed to just right. studying. And my family was like, yes, please. Can we please stop with this? And so I quit that. And then no one hired me ever. Uh, you auditioned? Yeah, for sure. A lot. And no one was interested at all. And Did you get so, an agent or anything? Oh God, no, nobody, I did not have an agent or I did, but I did, but she hated me. Like she had real resentment toward me. She did not think that I was good. She kind of like took me on as a favor to someone else. And she was like, oh, oh, I've been that God. guy. Yeah. yeah it's awful. Yeah. So you were 26 by the time you decided Something you'd had like enough that. school. Yeah. yeah and, 25, 26. and no one, 
And you're going out for TV commercials and going TV out for stuff, and, not getting anything. And, but, and doing kind of like free acting jobs, you know, where you're <laughs> like, they're like, they're at the back of a bar, we're putting on a play. And I was like, I'll right. do it. All oh. right. That sounds great. But I did meet people and that was very valuable. And two of the people that I knew and really got to know from some children's theater projects uh, asked me to just sub in for someone at a comedy show yeah. in a sketch comedy oh, yeah. show. Oh, sketch. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so I said, yes, because I really had nothing to lose. And then I loved it. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, that's what I should be doing. I should be doing comedy. Like definitely. I'm so I'm super comfortable and I love it. I love it, mm. love it, love it. And I could do this, this for free forever. Like, no one even has to pay me for this. I just enjoy so it. So they were, it was a sketch group? Sketch group, yep. And then uh, I did that for a little while with them, but then I started doing comedy with an all-female sketch troupe called the Atomic Fireballs. And then we really I, performed a lot. They were Now, amazing. was that was that a, like a long-running yeah. sketch group? Yeah. They, they, they were for, going before you joined? They were... And I joined them. Um, actually, one of the women who was in that sketch troupe is on my show. She's one of the co-EPs of my show. And then uh-huh. two of them still live in Canada. Um, and they're doing other work now. But we performed a lot for many years, you know, trying to get stuff started. We were like very do-it-yourself. We would put on our own shows, like plaster posters all over the city. And we so it was the model like... Um... Like is that is that like the kids in the hall model? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, like um, you try to get you got a thing going and try you to got get a sort show. of a resi- residency at a theater and make, was it ever like a a thing? Did we were never, they lining up to see? We didn't have like a residency, but we performed a lot. I think people knew uh-huh. they, people knew about us, and we definitely were aiming toward getting our own show. Like that was definitely on our minds. We were. Performing all the time. How many people were in it? Five? Four. There were four of us. Oh, four of you. Yeah. So, yeah. like, you went in and pitched executives and stuff? Yeah. All around that time, we were planning, I guess, the, there were little opportunities and showcases. It wasn't like a big, wide, like, talent search for comics or a talent search right. for sketch comedians, but we definitely, I think we were on people's lists to some extent. Then in 2003, I got hired at The Daily Show. And then we still continued to try to pitch a show with ourselves, which... The Atomic um, Fireballs? Yeah. And then... And no one... In Canada. No one wanted it. No one wanted it. Oh. Anyway. So you you just... You started to do the segments for The Daily Show. Did you move yeah, to New York? I did. I did. I but you still lived. had the connection with the... Still, yeah, with of the, course. With the women in Canada? Yep. And that was still sort of the dream? How long... Yeah. And you were with them for years? Years, I would say. I can't even. I'm so. My memory is so bad. It was many, many years, but I can't wow. tell you how many years. Because so, I how does the how how does the Daily Show auditions sort of happen? Um, That's 2003. So they've been on the air a while, right? A while. How long had John John been on? Uh, I feel like I don't remember when he started. 1999, maybe he started. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe he took it over in 99. Uh-huh. Anyway, we watched it. I got married in 2000. When the? Oh, my God. I can't remember anything. Where'd you meet anymore. that guy? I met that guy doing children's theater. We really? did a touring children's show, which was a... Oh, Jesus. 
which was a live action version of the anime show Sailor Moon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So good. But where'd you tour with that? When did that happen? That happened in the 90s. Like 97 we met, I would oh. say. Like 97. We started dating so you were doing, in 1997. You were doing the Atomic Fireballs and doing the Doing the Fireballs, children show. doing children's shows, doing, you know, piecing it all together. How you do. So that's uh, kind of cute that you met doing children's shows. Yes. Um, I think. It's Isn't cute. It? We're, we were in it together. We didn't, yeah, we didn't like date immediately. Even we respected yeah. our work environment. <laughs> didn't, we didn't but date each liked, other for a long time. But we, you I, knew you liked kids, I imagine. No, doing children's theater is not, <laughs> has nothing to do with liking children. <laughs> it can really turn you against children. It's a, it's a desperate act. Is that what it's you're saying? <laughs> it's not where anyone, it's not where you would choose necessarily, but it's a good, it's a good training ground. <laughs> right. It's, I, it's for what? For, for kids or theater? Just for taking the humiliations. <laughs> of that, show business? Of show business. Just to prepare you for what show business is going to deliver to you on a very uh, regular believe, basis. You're just like, I believe that. I've been at the bottom <laughs> I can fucking take it. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? One you, more yep, uppercut. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I could take these body blows. Well, this, yeah, this is like I'm seeing the, the, you know, the things that you're made of. You, you know, you, you dated the criminal and you did children's theater. I mean, Resilience. who's going to hurt you? <laughs> this person yeah. has grit. Yeah. You understand? I'll be the last man standing. <laughs> yeah. <seems laughs> like a like cockroach. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how does it, how does the Daily Show audition come about oh yeah um they were they were looking for a they were looking for a woman actually they were looking yeah. for a woman and they came to toronto because of second city they were like there are some very quality women at second city so we will see those women and those women only i was not at second city but there weren't enough women at second city at the time to like fill the day to make it did you try to do second city for sure and they would not have me <laughs> Oh. Anyways, it's great. Um, so the just to like beef out the day for the yeah. Daily Show producers, my agent was right. like, "Do you want to just go do this? Do you want to do?" It's like the John Daly Show with Stewart. Have you heard of it? And I was very <laughs> familiar with it. I really liked it. Right, I love the show. So I auditioned on the day in Toronto, and then a few months later, they had me come down to New York, and then I got the job, and then. We did not, like Jason and I had a house. I was like, don't you move down because they're for sure going to fire me soon. Yeah. So don't, let's not, let's not get rid of our stuff here. You stay here. Yeah. Right. I'll ch go check it out. I'll be the, yeah. like the first team. And they did, they did not fire me. And so then he did move down and then we've been living here ever since. So we've been here since 2003. Did you meet with John for, at first, and he just kind of talked to you? Or? No, we met. Um, I just went right into the studio. They were had, they had a lot of people in that day, and right. so I just showed up at the building. I mean, I was very scared. I didn't have anywhere to go in New York. I like sh got off a plane and put yeah. on a sweaty shirt and sat in a Starbucks for two and a half hours or something like that. I was like, I don't have anywhere to be. Where right. am I? <laughs> And so I went to this, they, you would just come in and they'd be like, here's your laugh, Mike. And so they mic'd me up and I just went in 
and he was there at the desk. And so I sat at the desk and I did a bit with him and that was it. And then I left. And as I was like leaving the building, I noticed that there were closed circuit TV screens everywhere and they were just playing everyone's auditions to the whole staff. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, people just watched me. Oh, yeah. horrible. And then I got lost in the building getting out because once I was done and I gave them the yeah. laugh, they were like, bye. And then I was like, I, don't, I can't find my way out. <laughs> so I got lost <laughs> in the stairwell and yeah. I, I finally found my way out. And then they did hire me. So that and was you, good. you were there forever, right? I was there forever for like 12 years or something like that. Long time. Long time. And how does it like, how did it work there? I mean, I don't talk to, I don't know that I've talked to anybody lately mm-hmm. about that experience. And certainly, you know. Uh, John will never talk to me ever <laughs> because we, it's just not good with us. Okay. And so I don't know like what that process was or how much he was involved with the actual production. I mean, you worked with guys I'm sure I know. I'm Who sure. were the segment producers you worked with mostly? I'm trying to remember that guy's name we, that did all of those. He was also a stand-up. We had, there were different, there were really distinct departments in the show. Yeah. There was the field department, and then there was kind of like the studio and writers department. Yeah. And I really did a lot of, like, really where I cut my teeth was in the field department. Just like going right. out, flying yeah. to some weird place, shooting for two days, and coming back and piecing that all together. Yeah. And so that department was small, but very, um, uh, what's the word? Like, very bonded. Yeah. And we had our own process. And it, for me, that was my favorite part of doing the show because it was very it was very much an independent study project and certainly John was for sure involved especially at the end at the as we were editing the piece sure but it was it it was very um expressive of like how I felt or my approach to something as as well as the producer it was very collaborative it was like super collaborative experience which I really loved and still who who were the producers that you work with the most? Oh, Jim Margolis and Stu Miller and Ian Berger and Brennan Schroff. There were yeah. like, people cycled through Bronwyn Epstein. She was great. Uh, Kathy Egan. She was great. Um, lots of. So you actually great saw people. a lot of a lot of people come. Like you were this the this. You were I'm always kind there. Of a and, constant. Yeah. And you kind of trained. Producers yeah. that went on to do other things. I think that's I think that's fair to say. But like at first they were training me. You know, it took it's a really long learning curve. Like it's hard to get to know how to interview people. You know that like it's like it's hard. Well, especially to do it in a way you know that you're. I don't. It's not that you're going to manipulate it, but it's going to be framed a certain way. Yeah, right? there's just like a lot of layers to the conversation. Like you're trying to be conversational, you're trying to get information, you're trying to like build a story and you're trying to do jokes. There's like just a lot of stuff. And most of the time the subjects knew where you were coming from, correct? They did. Yeah, they did. I wasn't I didn't try to hide that too often. I think I at the beginning I didn't really know. I didn't have I wasn't really on sure footing, so I didn't really know what I was doing. But it's sort of interesting that some of them who like knew that they were going to be not attacked, but framed a certain way 
really had the confidence to think that they could sort of like hold their own. Yeah, yeah. In well, in the context. Mm-hmm. Like people think that they can. People think that they're going to figure out what the bit is, uh, and that they're going to yeah. and they're going to best you in whatever right. stupid bit you're trying to do, which they never but you really. Get to, you get to edit it. So you get how to edit they, it. <laughs> yeah, you get to edit it. It's crazy but also, that they fall for it every time. But also, like, my style or my approach, and I really yeah. do believe this, like, if you, and this really evolved, because at the beginning, like, the process of doing field pieces really changed a lot. Like, at first, it was like, this is a stupid thing that's happening. Let's make fun of this dumb thing. Yeah. Then it became a little more grounded, I would say. The process got more grounded. And then... And we were doing higher stakes stories. Like it wasn't just like a guy who knits cozies for his balls. Like we weren't really doing stories like that anymore. And so the stakes felt a little higher. The stories were a lot more interesting and more political and had, you know, there, anyway, there were stakes involved. Yeah. My approach to people was more like, well, you have an opinion about something you're very vocal about it. I don't agree with you, but if you're going to be very vocal about an odious opinion, you should at least defend your idea. Yeah. And often their defense of their bad idea, they would pretend that they'd been edited out of context. But I'm like, no, right. you've provided the context. This is how you feel. If you don't like how it looks, you should change how you feel because it does look bad because it's a bad idea. Oh, so that so that became their defense is that you know yeah. if if they if you if the the final piece mm-hmm. made them look like the idiots that they are, mm-hmm. they blamed you for for, for manipulating sure. it. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I'm like, well, you just have you just have bad opinions. If this is the first time you've ever seen your own opinions out loud, well, I'm sorry, but. Here you it's go. so funny that those with the way that you guys would give things a little bit of air for comedic effect, mm-hmm. like let things sit there, right? You know, like that, you know, and they just are hoisted. I guess that's the way you use that hoisted on their own petard mm-hmm. by just by just their point of view and and allowing it to 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 sit there or just have a reaction to it, right? It was and it's scary. that easy. So uncomfortable. It's terrible <laughs> feeling. Oh, it's awful. Do you remember, were there a lot of incidents where you felt either not bad, but that it was like, uh, this is uh, this is not a good situation? Well, I guess it depended on the subject themselves. Yeah. There were yeah. certainly times where I like would love it, actually, to go into an interview and come out feeling personally changed by someone or just to feel like I think I understand where this person is coming from. And then you, you were also editing compassionately, like, right. You know, you also were editing to not ruin a person's life, like, because people would make terrible mistakes in their interviews and come across much worse than they actually were just sort of like, so you wanted to balance that. There's a balance that you could strike with people or, People are very vulnerable when a camera is shining that lens in their face and there's lights everywhere. It's like, it's really intimidating. It's really hard to get used to for anyone. 
even yeah. if that's your profession, it's hard to get used to. Right. So right. there was like, there was a tenderness to the editing too. It's not like we were in there like, like the wild sure. west going like, yeah, let's fuck them. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Like there was definitely a lot of nuance and a lot of consideration when we were putting the pieces together. Well, yeah, because that was, you know, the tone of the, of, of those pieces had to, you know, you wanted to keep getting people to do them. Of course. So if you, <laughs> yeah. And there so were if you, enough people yeah. who would say things that were so awful that you just didn't want to like even amplify those ideas. You just didn't want to <laughs> give them the platform to say the things. Well, that that's a problem now with, uh, mm. you know, with an abundance of content and people willing to give voice to, to yeah. anybody thinking that, you know, just having a different point of view mm -hmm. is enough to counter it. It's not anymore. So, you know, if you give mm -hmm. if you give platform to monsters, mm -hmm. uh, monsters are going to hear it and they're going to be it's a victory for them. Yeah, they feel attracted to that. I mean, there's yeah. such a thing as too much free speech, she said. Yeah. I, well, that's when, Oh, no, I, <laughs> I said that when with Twitter, I was like, may, it wasn't it better when not everybody had a voice. I mean, it was like, <laughs> Like we could curate it a little better yeah. <laughs> like, exactly you know if you want me to go in there and just clean it up a little i'm happy to do that no yeah. problem <laughs> sure yeah me and my i got a crew we'll go yeah, in a cleaning crew, crew. let's sweep, yeah. sweep it up <laughs> so you were there for what like 12 13 12, years 12, yeah 12 years yeah 12 years and then and your uh, relationship with john was always like sort of professional like you didn't yeah. hang out no we didn't hang much. out always yeah professional like always very professional and um i'm like i didn't very... mean that in a sordid way i just meant no. that you know like you, you weren't yeah, friends no, outside of work no 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 yeah. I, I know what you mean like i definitely when i was moving to new york i was like we're gonna have so many pool parties yeah and then i <laughs> realized that yeah. we were co-workers you know right he's yeah. my boss yeah. um but he was like really actually very generous in helping me to kind of figure out what my point of view was in this world, I would say. Like, I, I felt like I had a real chance to explore. I definitely felt like I got to explore some things that were really important to me. Oh, interesting. So you were coming from Canada with your, you know, whatever your political point of view and whatever yeah. your relationship with American politics was. Mm -hmm. And you you had to somehow get schooled on the nuance mm -hmm. of things and yeah. the, the sort of point of view of of the side that you were mm -hmm. sympathetic towards and he yeah. and did you and by giving you space or, or helping you learn these things were these conversations or just suggestions around what you were coming in with no i think more like i think and it really that really evolved over time so toward the end i would say like toward the latter part of my tenure there it was very i i was more confident I guess I was more confident a performer and I really it took me a long time to like learn that craft yeah and so I just learned that I I could actually flex those muscles and not rely and I could rely on myself I could rely on my own point of right view. and I could lean into it more yeah I had, yeah and I had the freedom to do so and now of course I have like total freedom to do that which is totally different experience um, and I love it but it was really great prep it was really great sure. prep. and yeah and i i just so when you left mm -hmm. was it um did you leave because you were done or because you were well i mean did you leave 
to do the other show? Was that the plan? We, my husband and I worked there together. He was also, of course, he also came to become a correspondent there and we shared an office and there were a lot of like periods of downtime there. What's his name? His name is Jason Jones. Oh yeah. Uh, And we, uh, we knew like he, he's a very productive person. He's a writer. Um, he is, he's just like such a hard worker. He's just yeah. always working on something. He's just like built for work. And I really admire that about him. So what's he doing take, right now? He's literally working on a pitch for a oh. show right now okay. in the other room. He's always doing that. Like always doing that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, uh, so we would take our time, like we would take our downtime when we were there and just be in the office together and be constantly writing and p- writing projects and, and pitching on projects and going to the networks and pitching pilots and selling pilot scripts and film scripts and stuff like that. We spent all of our downtime trying to sell something else because we knew that eventually we would want our name on something. We didn't know what form that would take. We didn't know. Did, did you sell stuff? Did you actually yeah. sell movies or anything? Oh, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, we did. They were never made. And we yeah. sold a lot of pilot scripts. And he, we sold pilot scripts as a duo. But he also sold film scripts on his own and pilot scripts on his own. So we were just always working on stuff yeah. and collaborating because we yeah. wanted to take ownership. And we knew that it was an opportunity to not only do that job, but to like put some foundational, like to building blocks, you know, to a real career. And in the end, sort of like right around the time when John was getting ready to leave, we did sell, we sold a pilot, a scripted pilot to TBS, uh, like a a show called The Detour. And it got greenlit. So we made the pilot. We actually got to film the pilot. And that was the first time that that had ever happened. And it was great. It really was great. what was it? It was a. It's, a, the, what, it's called the Detour. It's a half-hour scripted comedy. We did four seasons of it, so it got. Oh, you guys! Up. Oh, you, yeah, you did it. And, but we did you it. were just producers. You weren't in it. Jason was in it. He's the yeah. dad in the show. It's okay. a. It's an absolute. And I say this. It's such a funny show. It's like so funny to me. It's a jewel box of a show. There's only four yeah. seasons. They're fucking great. That's the right amount of seasons. Yep, it was. It's it's perfect. Um, so we were leaving for that. We actually were going to leave and go make that show. We were just waiting to see if it would get picked up. And then John decided he was leaving, and we were like, "Well, this is it. Everything's come together. They picked up our show, and we were we were leaving. We just it was just the timing was perfect. And then TBS also offered me my own show, and so I said yes. And then that was it. So we were gone at that point. So you guys were already in business with TBS with the detour. We were, yeah, yes, we were. And and you had a like you were you were the creator and executive producer mm-hmm. of that. Yep. And you had a you had a writers room and you had a bunch mm-hmm. of people doing you it. You did, it was, yeah, yes. I'm sorry, I haven't seen it. I don't watch a lot of things. No, I understand, but it is really good, and I think you would find it funny. So who like when you when they gave you your own show? Mm-hmm. So you were now going to be a producer and a boss and a, and and the host yeah. of the show. Yes, that must have been a new thing for you. Very new, very new. So Not... how did you tap? How did you decide to put it together? How did you hire the the right? I think your producer is a guy I worked with brief, briefly. Yeah. Yes, Miles. Yeah, you know yeah. Miles. 
That's I right. do know he's Milo. great. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been there since the beginning. Um, Alana Harkin's been there since the beginning, who I worked with in the Atomic Fireballs. I definitely put together a small team of people and we just built out from there. Right. Uh, it was really intimidating. It was really intimidating starting a show from nothing. Um, the network was super supportive. They actually were very supportive. I won't say that I wasn't. I mean, I just was like, just terrified until it launched until the day it launched so probably for about a year i was had like nervous just like rollades at all times just like popping antacids trying to keep my head above water and they really even after the show started it's a real journey like going from being someone's employee to being people's boss is a whole different it's a whole different situation it's but it's but as hard. a performer, you knew to play to your strengths. You knew the mm-hmm. area that you wanted to deal with. You knew yeah. that you could do the stuff that you were great at. I for sure didn't think that we would get past six episodes. Like, for sure. I was like, here's a great opportunity to try something and to be, like, really audacious with a point of view. And then we'll get canceled, but we'll have six... Maybe we'll get, like, six episodes of this thing. Really? And then... Yeah. This will be like a calling card. You know, you like think of everything in terms of calling cards. Like then uh-huh. I can, it's like a proof of concept for if someone wants to do something again in the future. But um, anyway, it, it just, it, it, it worked. Like it, it was, it landed at the right time. Yeah, and, people love uh, it. Yeah, and, and I love it. So, who you know, who knows? Sometimes you just like stumble into things that don't seem like I wouldn't have said. It's not like, I would have said when I was 25, I'm going to post a show one day. I wouldn't have thought that right. in one billion years. Right. But like, I mean, the good thing about it is no matter how nervous you were, you were thoroughly prepared to do the type yeah. of show that you set out to do. Yep. Right? Yes. And yeah. and it seems like, you know, over time and fairly quickly that, you know, you, you sort of, you were able to pull pull together your own audience, but a lot mm-hmm. of people already knew you. Like pretty, pretty fucking well, I would think, you know, over the time you were at the Daily Show. And I would think that the fact that John leaving and that show shifting Mm -hmm. into something different probably was, you know, helpful in some ways. I think so. I think it all kind of just the timing of it was really great. The, The timing really worked out. Sure. But and also I know that like you know you were part of at the beginning that you, you really had to take into consideration as all these shows do mm-hmm. these shows with comedic segments mm-hmm. that um that a lot of your audience was not going to watch in a traditional way they were going to watch online they were going to watch pieces sure. they were going to like yeah. cuz I know that like you seem to be ahead of the curve with you know people watching clips from your show Yes. Well, we knew that. I mean, it's just like, it's also how I digest content. Like, I yeah. don't, I'm not, I, I think, I don't really sit down and watch a ton of TV. Like, I don't really watch a lot of television. Right. I don't, right. yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I, I just don't have a lot of investment in time. Like, if you had a show, like, we're, my whole family's watching Lost right now. We're just watching Lost. 
in quarantine. Now? That's yeah, we're so late to the party, but my kids are into it, and it's uh, there's so many episodes. It's a really good show for us to be watching. I've never Trish. watched it. Yeah, it's good for all of us during quarantine. The kids like they look forward to it all day. Then we sit down. And there's 150 episodes or something like that. Good so idea. we always yeah. have something kind of at the end of the day together, which is really nice. But That's like, smart. I would never watch that show if it was on week to week and I had to watch commercial. Like, right. I don't digest things that way. I don't go, mm, let me wait for next week's. Oh, I wonder what mm. will happen in seven yeah. days. Like, yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't have yeah. the attention span. I used to, I like that still. I mean, I like it when oh, shows you? are released like, yeah, because if I, I mean, there are shows in my life, like when The Sopranos was on, I was excited I, yeah. about Sundays. Well, that's you true. Know, same with, same with Mad Men. It was. It's rare these days, though. It's more sure. Rare. Breaking Bad. It was like once yeah. I can't, you know, right. but um, but I liked watching things like that. I don't like binge watching because I can't mm-hmm. stop, and you know, you end up you know staying up all night. It's ridiculous. Right. You know, it's like you know, <laughs> give me the week. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, I know what you're saying. Right. So maybe we chopped it up partially because of my own attention span. Because I'm like, can you entertain no. me in three minutes? No, but okay. you have to be aware of it. I mean, I mean, there has yeah. to be some level where you're like, you know, your online presence has to, you know, I mean, as a boss, mm-hmm. did you, you know, in, in working with the network, did you have to put a whole other team in place to, you know, do that number? We do have a digital team, but it's really small. It's still like a pretty scrappy show. Like, uh-huh. I think we're like still kind of a scrappy size yeah. and our departments are small, but highly functional um so it's not like we have like a home base of like at the network level people putting out our content we're still like piecing it together ourselves and we're like let's put some copy on this and send it out and let's see what happens with this you know right um but i think that's a that's a good place for us to be i like good scrappy scrappy so and is your mom still around and everything she is she lives very far away she lives on yeah she lives on a very remote island off the coast of Vancouver Island. She's and like, she's composting up there? For sure. I mean, like with worms and everything. Oh, great. <laughs> like the but worms. But does she, does she like the show? Does she, she watch you? She, 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 I actually don't know if she watches it all that much. Mm. She's not a person that can really be contained. You know, it's, it's hard to, de- she's hard to describe. Like sometimes she'll go, what was that blouse? Oh, and that's the <laughs> that's the only text I get. Like, what were yeah. you thinking? Yeah. Why so many flies around your face? Oh like, my as, we, as we're yeah. shooting it in the as we're shooting it in the backyard, there's like gnats everywhere because it's really moist right now. Oh, really? So you yeah. see, oh, you got you got to deal with the bugs. Yeah, there's just like bugs and stuff. Oh, and the summer's gonna oh, it's gonna, not gonna summer, get any better. It's not. No, it's gonna be really. It's just gonna be different. Different bugs and, flying around, biting and We're going to be in this for a while, it we're seems. In this. It, feels, it feels like it's going to take a long time. I don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. It's, yeah, not a great feeling, is it? Not really. <laughs> not really. Don't love uncertainty. I like to uncertainty. know things. Yeah. No, uh, and no uh, regimens. No, you know, you got to create new patterns. Oh, I'm just going to go to That's law a- school. Pursue my go. first love. Online. You're going to go to law school online That's finally? right. Yes. I think the lost idea for a family that's never watched it's a very good idea. Did you come up with that yourself? 
I feel like that could have been a that could have been a genius Jason move because uh, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a Jason special to, to find an old show that has yeah. hundreds of episodes and hundreds no one of in the family, that an entire family can watch. That's right. God, that's a, that's mm-hmm. that's good thinking. That's smart. That's good parenting. That's quarantine parenting. It is. I'm gonna let's see. I'm gonna take a picture of us. I did it. You did it. It just happened. It just, I love it. Just it. Happened. I like um, it. Let me. It was great talking to you, Samantha. Hey, this is a real pleasure. You're a pleasure to talk to, sir. And I, I think it worked show. out pretty good. It works great. Really it's good. It's like it's really it's different. It's it's new for me to do this in this way um, without without. Yeah, I get I get so nervous, man. I get I'm already anxious, you know. But uh-huh. like you, you could, but when if, even if I don't know a lot about somebody, if they come over. There's mm-hmm. a thing where, you know, like it becomes an organic thing. Sure. When you're just like, you're in your environment. I, know. I mean, Kate Blanchett, her son was playing with her, his phone right next to her during oh. our interview. I'm like, I just see an elbow. And I'm like, what's oh. happening? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh my God. I have no control over this situation. Oh, yeah. Was Kate Blanchett There's, nice? Is she nice? I very really intense. Think she's great. Okay. She's uh, very bright, you know, very intellectual, very, yeah. Yeah, very, she seems nice, but well guarded. Okay. Uh, we'll take a, take a couple shots of you out of the gate oh. just to establish oh. a certain dominance. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. I love her. Oh my God. That's like, great. she's like, uh, she gets on, she's like, are you in your basement? And I'm like, no. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, okay. Like right out of the gate. Like, wow. all right, let's go. This is oh. where I am. Now you can, you know, all come right. at me. Yeah. Okay, exciting, titillating. But it was great talking to you, and thank you for doing it. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. I'll see you soon in person somewhere. All right, see you later. That was Samantha B. Again, Full Frontal with Samantha B. airs Wednesday nights at 10.30, 9.30 Central on TBS. I'm going to play this uh, piece at Winlight. Sort of, a, it's just an extended riff on a similar thing I did for the last piece in the in the film, sort of trust. I miss Lynn. I miss Lynn Shelton. Thank you for everything.
lives.